Matthias Heiser joins me on episode 57. Matthias is a chromatic player from Copenhagen in Denmark. He started out playing diatonic, aged 8, before moving across to the chromatic, with which he was the first player to attend the music conservatory in Copenhagen. Matthias won the World Harmonica Championship in Trossingen at the age of 20 with his own composition, Sudden Ascent. The album containing this track won Matthias the Composer's Competition New Jazz Store of the Year in Denmark in 2015. In his band, the Matthias Heiser Quadrillion, Matthias is leading the way as a chromatic player in a jazz fusion band. His most recent album, The Beast, is recorded with the Danish radio big band, with all the arrangements written by Matthias. He has also appeared on numerous recordings as a sideman, and more recently in a duo with the guitarist. Matthias has two new jazz albums coming out later in 2022. Hello, Matthias Heiser, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Neil. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us today. And you're from Denmark, yep? That's true. Exactly. I'm sitting here in uh, a Danish uh, city called Wollower. I think you were born near Copenhagen. Yeah, is that is that where you are now? Just around Copenhagen still? Yeah, the, yeah. It's it's a suburb uh, to Copenhagen on the west side of Copenhagen. What was the music scene like growing up? You know, what what got you into into playing? Was it a good music scene in Copenhagen? Yeah, definitely a very nice music scene in Copenhagen. We have a, a lot of jazz musicians and a lot of jam sessions. When I was uh, getting into music, I had the opportunity to go to a, a high school that had something called MGK, which is like an advanced course of, of music training. I went there with the Chromatic Harmonica actually as the first in Denmark. Uh, later on, I, I went to the conservatory, but just for one year. After that, I've, I've just been freelancing. Jam sessions here in Copenhagen has been very important for my development as a jazz harmonica player. I know you also play uh, keyboards. Was chromatic harmonica your first instrument? My first instrument was actually the violin when I was only five years old. I played that for a couple of years and I stopped. Then when I was eight years old, I was watching a TV show called Guess the Song. In this TV show, the host of the TV show was playing the harmonica. He's called uh, Emin Jensen, playing the blues harmonica. And uh, that inspired me to pick up my toy harmonica and, and try to play some melodies on it. And then it turned out I, I had some kind of talent because I, I was able to play single notes pretty fast and pretty fast I could play some different melodies. And that was just a lot of fun. Also, uh, it was a fun uh, part of playing the harmonica that you could um, get many different kinds of harmonicas and you could wish uh, for harmonicas when you had uh, birthdays and Christmas and stuff like that. So it became kind of my hobby and, and my passion. Uh, I think four or five years, I also started playing the chromatic harmonica. Uh, in the beginning, I was mostly playing the blues, but I was also uh, overblowing and uh, bending the diatonic harmonica to, to get some more uh, more notes out of it. But in the end, uh, I had to play the chromatic harmonica to apply for this advanced course of music. So I began to play the chromatic harmonica. And actually, after that, I only played the chromatic harmonica. I still play some blues harp, uh, mostly for the fun of it. But chromatic harmonica is my definitely my main. Sure, yeah. So it sounds like then you started playing some diatonic. What, you're about eight years old, were you? Yeah. Maybe about 13 or so, you, you picked up the chromatic. Exactly. 
So it's an interesting question because obviously lots of children, uh, when they learn instruments and the parents send them for music lessons, play something like the violin, yeah, or uh, you know some sort of orchestral instrument, or or maybe guitar. But you know, quite often an orchestral instrument like the violin or possibly the recorder is popular in the UK at least. So you know, what do you think about that? Particularly being a chromatic player, which is you know maybe where you are reading music more than what Do you think um, you know maybe having those early violin lessons helped you? And you know, there's a, the gap with not having that. Sort sort of early tuition on harmonica yeah i think it was a good thing just to, to play violin at, a, at an early age to get some experience with the, the notes and the scales i didn't like uh, reading music at all the the classical tradition was also a bit too much for me i i needed some more freedom so in that way it was a relief to to play the harmonica and to play such an intuitive instrument, an instrument that's, that is kind of invisible where you are producing the notes very uh, intuitively. That was very nice for me. And, um, you know, then I've kind of come back to reading music and playing classical music also on the harmonica and both playing, playing a lot of jazz music. It was nice for me to have a break from the violin and uh, just do something completely, uh, you know, free and just for the joy of it. Also, started playing keyboards. Was that as a result of you know going for your studies that you needed a second instrument, or did you start that before then? Well, I actually started uh, playing the keyboard when I was ten. I started playing because I, I bought a little synthesizer, and I was a very big fan of George Duke. I was listening a lot to his uh, records and especially his synthesizer solos. Uh, so I was sitting actually with my synth- synthesizer and pitch bending and trying to to sound like George Duke. Then I I went to to get some piano lessons and uh, at the music school. So uh, so it's been kind of on the side of the harmonica for for many years and and have also always been using the the keyboard as a visual way of you know understanding and getting an overview of the instrument so i'm visualizing the keyboard when i'm playing yeah obviously there's a lot of comparisons between the chromatic and the piano they're they're laid out in that sort of linear way and quite similarly and a lot of the chromatic players certainly talk to on here you know a lot of them do play the piano so you know what about that relationship between the two instruments you think you know it's, it's pretty critical to uh have that understanding obviously from the piano side as well understanding the chords and, and that side of things yeah definitely it's it's just uh, such a wonderful tool uh, to have the piano both when you're you're playing the harmonica and when you're, you're you want to get a visual uh, overview of the scales and of the chords also when you're composing it's really uh, great to be able to get so much music going so relatively easily but you know Toots Tielemans he didn't play the piano he played the guitar and uh, that seemed to go pretty well also. So I guess it's not necessarily the piano you have to play on the side, but maybe it is a good thing to, to have some knowledge of some other instrument. And so you had piano lessons, as you say, from the age of 10, but you still didn't have any chromatic harmonic lessons or, or any harmonic lessons. I had some uh, diatonic harmonica lessons also from about age 10, I think. Actually, I pretty much self-taught on the chromatic harmonica, but then when I got into this training course, uh, I, I had a couple of teachers. There are a, a couple of guys uh, besides me here in Denmark playing the chromatic harmonica, uh, and I had a guy uh, called Finn Poulsen, 
And then afterwards, a guy called Jakob Wint as teachers on the chromatic harmonica. And then later on, on my last year, I, I had a saxophone teacher. He was playing the saxophone and I was playing the, the harmonica. At that point, it didn't really seem to matter very much that, that my teacher was playing the harmonica, since I was mostly after just learning how to improvise and getting more ideas and concepts for improvisation. What do you think about the need to have face-to-face tuition? Because obviously you, you've done both on the chromatic. I say you said you were self-taught for a, for a few years, and then you went to school and you and you had some more formal training on the instrument, as well as obviously piano lessons. A lot of people now, you know, a lot of harmonica players are self-taught, right? And they particularly, it's just an instrument where strongly people are self-taught, or they might go to the internet and get, you know, sort of kind of video lessons and things. So, what do you think about the value of face-to-face lessons? Do you think that's a, a critical thing that people should do at least for a few years? Yeah, well, it can definitely help. It can help you if you have some blind spots, and we all have some blind spots. The thing is, you you can actually find all the information you need when you are sitting at yourself just rehearsing and uh, practicing, but you don't know, uh, you know, you, you don't know about the things that you don't know you need, if I can say it uh, that way, you know. For instance, my uh, saxophone teacher, he told me something very um important about my eight notes when when i was there at the first lesson and i had just never really thought about my eight notes and how much i was swinging the eight notes uh, in medium swing tempos he said that it was very important to have more more even eight notes and then accentuate every second eight note that kind of knowledge i i probably wouldn't have gotten that if i didn't go to him since i wasn't aware of of the the concept at all so in that way i think it's it can be very useful to have face-to-face inside action and then of course i think especially on the harmonica it's very important that you spend a lot of time on your own with the instrument especially since what's happening with the tongue and the mouth uh, is so invisible and it's something that you you, a teacher can't tell you how to do you just have to uh, work your way slowly into the feeling of it and that's only something you can do uh, by yourself a final question on this kind of tuition. So another thing when people are learning jazz on the harmonica, which typically tends to be chromatic, but obviously a lot of people are playing overblows now and playing jazz on diatonic harmonicas. You know, so what about taking lessons off, say, a saxophone player as you did? You know, does that entirely work? Obviously, they're coming from it from a different instrument, different techniques. And Yeah, it was, it was uh, very, very uh, nice for me to have uh, that experience because also uh, our instrument is such a special instrument and we sometimes we get a little caught up in the instrument we get caught up in the possibilities and in the limitations sometimes it can be very nice to have some someone from the outside uh, telling you to do something without taking into consideration that you're playing the harmonica so he was uh, for instance saying to me that i transcribe and uh, learn the the pro train solo from uh, moments notice composition on on the blue train album that is a wonderful saxophone solo and very very difficult to play in that tempo on the chromatic harmonica i don't know if i entirely succeeded in playing it but the process of transcribing the whole thing and the playing is playing it as well as as possible on the chromatic harmonica gave me immense knowledge and immense value suddenly new new um, horizons were opening up on the instrument so in that 
way, it can be good to have a, a teacher who, who does not take into consideration that you're playing the chromatic harmonica, but just views you uh, as, a, as a musician, uh, as another saxophone player, for instance. Quite a lot of people interested in jazz, but obviously they're quite intimidated on it. So it's a lot to take on. You know, it's, it's a very technically challenging and difficult uh, music to play. You've got to understand a lot about music theory and different chord structures and scales. And So what would you say to people who do want to maybe tech on jazz or, or at least more seriously than just playing some kind of light standard sort of approach? Yeah, well, it definitely comes with theory and the scales and the chords. Those are the tools that we're using when we are playing jazz. But it's a wonderful thing to do. And what I always try to do and tell people is that you want to be able to improvise without thinking too much about the scales, at least not thinking about what scale you're playing at what time, but just seeing intuitively all the notes that are available on the different chords. And normally you can think about improvisation in two ways. You can think about a horizontal improvisation and a vertical improvisation, where the horizontal improvisation is going through all the chords with the same scale. So that's kind of what we are doing when we're playing the blues. We're just using the same scale or maybe this, this, the two or three scales over the, the entire song. And that makes that gives us the, the possibility to develop our musical ideas very intuitively. And then, then we, when you play jazz, you play, you know, of course, down into every chord, and every chord has its own scale. But what you want to do when you play jazz is to be, be able to play horizontally through the chords and just having the background knowledge to do it by having these uh, scales kind of in your nerv- nervous system. You've gone off to your almost entirely a chromatic player now. So you mentioned that quite a lot of people do play jazz now on the diatonic playing overblow. So is that not, that's not something you do? Are you not still pursuing overblows? And um, you know, why did you decide to definitely move you know entirely over to the chromatic? Yeah, well, it was actually a tough decision because I really uh, I loved playing the diatonic harmonica, and I was very inspired by Howard Levy and. very advanced playing and I was doing the same but also there was constantly difficulties there was always limitations on what you could play on a normal C harmonica for instance because if you were to play two overblows after each other that's almost impossible to do in in a legato way at least I, I was getting also a little frustrated with the limitations of it even though I thought it was a very very cool and wonderful thing that you this is something that that is actually physically possible so for me it was very nice to have an instrument where these notes were available more easily so I could focus on learning the scales and developing patterns in the scales and developing the jazz language without having so many difficulties on the physical level. Yeah, and I think a lot of people prefer the diatonic over the chromatic because it's got that more kind of instant power, but a bit like a saxophone, yeah, you can kind of get more crunch out of a diatonic, mm. whereas a chromatic's got a, a cleaner, sort of gentler sound. You can't bend the notes so much, you know, and so, you know, do you also prefer the sound of the chromatic for the, for jazz for that reason? Or do you think you're missing a little bit of that kind of crunch that you can get out of the diatonic? 
I, I know what you mean, uh, and and I also would prefer the, the diatonic when playing the blues. But I, I must say, uh, I think the chromatic harmonica has got a wonderful sound of its own. Like, you can't bend the notes in the same way, but you can still bend the notes a lot and get a lot of expression out of it. And uh, you can play double notes, like uh, maybe I can illustrate on the chromatic harmonica now, but you can get, kind of get some of the same sounds out of it. So, so I think getting, I want to get a juicy sound, and I'm, I'm inspired by the diatonic sound in that way. I also like the bright and um, mellow sound of the dramatic harmonica when you're playing single notes and you're playing more softly. No, absolutely, and I hope those words do sort of inspire some diatonic players, you know, maybe to to consider the chromatic more, because I think a lot of people, you know, you know, for that reason, they sort of think, oh yeah, the chromatic doesn't have the same kind of bite as the uh, the juice, as you call it, as the as the diatonic. But yeah, you yeah, know, great, yeah. So we're going back then to your to your influences when you were learning. Um, who were you listening to? I mean, clearly you probably listened to lots of jazz players. You mentioned Coltrane, they're like uh, a giant of jazz. And what what about harmonica players? Um, besides Howard and uh, Carlos, who you mentioned, and the chromatic players particularly? I was listening to Toots Tiedemanns a lot, of course, especially some of his early work. Uh, there's an album called Columbia Jazz, where he's playing some stunning uh, solos and just really showing uh, how well you can get around on that instrument and playing bebop on it. Also, I've, I've been playing uh, with Stevie Wonder, listening to his solos and, and trying to get that feel and those spins. Yeah, you, I've got some recordings of you doing the Isn't She Lovely? That's a, a song you really like of his then. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's And it's also a crowd pleaser. So... Uh, <laughs> What about that fast run up at the end? Uh, you do play that, don't you, on the on the chromatic? That's quite an, that's quite a challenging run up. Yeah, the yeah. It's actually uh, it it depends on the the, the key. You know, mm. I I usually play it uh, actually one uh, half note above his original key, and that makes that run a little more smooth. Right. You're doing it in F then, are you? I think he does it in E, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Great. So, okay, so yeah, so Toots and Stevie, yeah, so... Um... Yeah, but also, uh, yeah, I, I, I've i been listening a lot, listening a lot to um, Antonio Serrano when I was uh, starting to play jazz. I was uh, checking his videos out and I've been a big fan of his, his uh, approach to jazz. He's also a, a big inspiration. So yeah, so you're uh, you're I think are you still just twenty eight? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, until September. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you're sounding fantastic now, uh, Matthias. You know you've got a great sound. You know you're starting. Uh, it's a relatively young age, but yeah, you've got to to great heights already. So so congratulations. So through at the age of twenty, you won the the World Harmonica Championship in uh, in Trossingen, yeah, in two, uh, 2013. 
Yeah. So yeah, what what did you play to win there? Yeah, I, I played uh, one of my own compositions called Sudden Ascent. It's also uh, uh, our most popular tune on Spotify uh, with my band Matthias Heise Quadrillion. Actually, it's the first. It's from the first album I ever released. Also. Done a backing track at home, and then I, yeah, I played that in Germany. And so great. So then you won that, and did that did that help sort of launch your career, or were you already well on your way by then? Yeah, that that definitely helped. When I got back, I I wrote some of the the Danish TV shows, and I got I came into a morning TV show and and told the story and played some some music there. And also afterwards, it's all, all almost always in the press uh, text for my concerts that I'm a harmonica, world harmonica champion. It is a, a nice uh, little thing to, to have when it comes to marketing and yeah, it comes to, to launching your career. Though, you know, of course, it, you should take it with a grain of salt. It's not like Antonio was there, for instance. So uh, <laughs> yeah. it, was, it, is, uh, it is what it is. But it, I, I love the festival and it was such a wonderful experience to be there and to meet so many other players, you know, because you, you just walk around here in your own um, little harmonica world. It's, it's such a shock suddenly to see 200 uh, harmonica players at the same place it's, it's, it's surreal <laughs> and you you did a performance with philip shield in 2013 there didn't you yeah there was uh, the jam session we were playing uh, june spain by chikuria mm-hmm. so we decided to to do it together that was uh, very nice he's a he's a great guy philip Two thousand fifteen, you won the uh, the new Jazz Store of the Year in Denmark. So and you were starting to get more recognition. Yeah, was this on the back of your first album with the uh, the Matthias Heiser Quadrillion, the uh, Sudden Ascent album? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Actually, that was a, a composer's composition. Uh, so you had to send in a composition to get evaluated by a jury, and I sent in the same track, Sudden Ascent, that I uh, used to win the Harmonica World Championship in Germany. That the composition has served me served me well definitely so you composed uh, the, the tracks for this album yourself yeah i think one of them was composed by my guitar player but the, all the other ones were composed by, by me so are you composing on the piano uh, or do you use a chromatic as well sometimes one and sometimes the other in it's definitely a chromatic harmonica feature that that got me going it was uh, the slide you can use the slide to get some pretty nice trills like I was kind of fond of that sound. Then I I made up this phrase. And uh, that's kind of what the song is uh, built around. And then uh, in the A part, there's a a theme that is a bit advanced. And uh, that was actually composed on the piano. And that was very hard to play in the beginning uh, for me on the chromatic harmonica. So Mm -hmm. so I I like to do both. It's to challenge myself uh, as a harmonica player and also to use the harmonica as a tool to write some composition that practically you wouldn't be able to write them if you didn't play the harmonica. So, so I love to, to, in that way, use the harmonica as a composition tool. 
then are you coming up with sort of melodic lines on the chromatic and then you're adding chords afterwards? Yeah, sometimes that's what ha- was happening. Not that much, actually. I, I've al- always been a, a very guy. I, I, I like harmonies and I like chords. And much of the time, I the chords are the basic structure of the song. And then I apply some melody and maybe I then change the chords to, to fit the melody. Uh, I haven't wrote a lot of tunes just with the melody from the beginning. But And you're, you are the keyboard player on the album because there's a few songs which don't have harmonica on yet. So you're, you're playing the keyboard on those, are you? Yeah, it's probably 50-50 keyboard and harmonica in that band. This band is a, a fusion of funk, rock and jazz. So it's definitely not straight ahead jazz. So yeah, what, what was your interest for the, this genre of this kind of, uh, was it kind of a rock jazz fusion, would you say? Yeah, definitely. I've been a huge fusion fan almost as long as I can remember. It was my first introduction to jazz. I remember listening to Herbie Hancock's Chameleon song with the very iconic bass line, do, 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 do. I was listening to that track every day for a year when I was uh, in eighth grade in in my school. I just couldn't get enough of that tune. And also I began listening to George Duke and I'm passionate about playing fusion music. And it was my, my biggest dream was to get my own fusion band, write my own fusion songs. time in Denmark. Now this is probably in 2012 and 10. Fusion was actually kind of frowned upon. Many jazz musicians in Denmark thought that fusion was bad taste and what you need to do was was to play acoustic and maybe free jazz, maybe some rubato jazz, a lot of other uh, ways of playing jazz. But now actually things have turned. So I I, made, I did my fusion band. Now appears that uh, all those uh, very hardcore jazz they uh, they've turned around and began playing fusion jazz together with me. So that's that's nice. You started a trend, yeah. So, but it's it's probably reasonably unique to hear some harmonica, certainly some chromatic harmonica, on that sort of fusion sound, isn't it? So, I think you probably have got quite an, a unique position in the harmonica playing world. There, are you aware of any other sort of fusion sort of harmonica players? No, not not in the same way. But Gregoire Maret, he has also done some things that I would say was was in the same alley. You know, he's done some things with Pat Metheny, and yeah, his own group also has some fusion elements although it's it is more acoustic so that fusion with synthesizers and electric guitar and electric bass and funk rhythms i'm actually not aware of anybody else doing that on the chromatic harmonica gets quite heavy some of the songs doesn't it you've got some quite heavy kind of rock uh, electric guitar on there so you know are you particularly approaching how you you know you're doing your chromatic solos to uh, to fit with that that's also always been of interest to me to to be able to solo and to to get a solo going so that it reaches a high point uh, that can match the guitar and that can match match a saxophone that's always been important to me to try to reach those high points
part of it is, of course, just being agile on the instrument, being able to play some phrases that that are fast and that are powerful. But also um, what I found out is what you actually need to play with the rhythm group very much. You have to uh, understand your drummer and your bass player and your piano player, and you have to communicate with them. You have to throw some musical ideas at them. So I've been practicing a lot to, to have a melodic idea and then hold on to it, and also to have a rhythmical idea and hold on to that, keep developing the, those ideas so that they get absorbed by the other musicians. And that's actually how I feel that you reach the highest points of music. It's when uh, you are all working together as a collective to push the solo to new limits. Certainly one thing I've heard you do with it, which is definitely not something you do all the time, but you do use some effects, don't you? Is that, you know, does that help in the in the sort of fusion world? That shuffle funk is a, is a song you, you've done a, a YouTube video on where you've got some effects. <laughs> effects in this way or they don't for the fusion particularly it's it's actually a relatively new thing for me to play with effects but i'm very uh, interested in it right now and i have i think i have a nice pedal board now i've been developing it for some time and uh, i i had to understand which effects did what and and how they sounded on the chromatic harmonica because you're using guitar pedals some of these pedals actually don't work very well together with the harmonica some yeah. some do and some don't it's a process of developing your your pedal board but now I, i'm very glad with my pedal board i've got a octava pedal i've got an auto wah pedal i've got reverb and i've got delay then i've got also a very nice uh, limiter pedal the harmonica is a very dynamic instrument when you're playing fusion jazz it can be a good thing to have a consistently powerful tone it can be a, a good trait to give some of the dynamics band uh, up uh, in return and in return get a more consistent powerful tone so that's what the limiter is doing Sure. Yeah. So you're you're more interested, like you say. You think they're gonna you're gonna be releasing some more music with with use of uh, effects on the with the chromatic. Yeah, definitely. That's gonna happen. Yeah. No, it'd be it'd be interested to hear that coming out. Yeah. So great. So then you did uh, your second album with the uh, Matthias Heiser Quadrillion, which is Decadence, 2017. First, so first of all, what's a quadrillion? Mm, large number. <laughs> very very large number. I I think it's maybe ten to the power of sixteen. Uh, I should know that since since it's my it's my band, but. Uh, Please don't hold me up on it, but it's a very, very big number. Right, but you don't have you don't have ten to the power sixteen musicians in the band. It's a, it's more of a uh... <laughs> no, exactly. So that's kind of the point of it, and maybe a kind of restatement of that term uh, that result is larger than the sum of its parts, which is kind of a holistic term. And in this case, we have, we are four musicians, but when we are playing together, the interconnections between our musicianships they become more than the sum of our parts. You know, that's kind of the intellectual idea behind the, the name. Uh, so, so the title track "Decadence," you know, I've got uh, again. There's some quite, uh, you know, heavy, heavy guitar on there, and I think. Electroshock is on there, which has got a nice eerie atmosphere. Is that using any effects, the Electroshock one? Yeah, we're, we're losing, uh, using a lot of uh, delay and, and reverb on that one. I think also some chorus, actually. 
uh, those, those weren't uh, pedals they were just uh, you know add, uh, added on uh, in the in the mix yeah sure yeah is that something you you've been very involved with them with the albums to the post processing yeah definitely we we are a band that that likes to to post produce our our songs and to to experiment with different effects and different ways of mixing the, the music and the sounds so we are very interested in that all four of us and it can also be a bit tricky we have strong opinions and yeah. uh, it's a very democratic band so sometimes the discussions go on go on for quite a while before we <laughs> we come up with the results but you mix in the albums yourself then you're not you're not getting a sort of a studio engineer to do that yeah, no, we actually, we, we start out mixing it ourselves and then we get a studio engineer to, to take it the last uh, step. Uh, and your most recent album is called The Beast. Now, this is with the, the Danish radio big band. So this is not with your quadrillion uh, band. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a big band, right? So you, you've, is this quite a, a well-known big band in, in Denmark? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's the Danish national big band almost. It's it's the Danish radio big band, uh, and we have uh, of course uh, a, a national broadcasting service called DR, a Danish radio. I think it came about as a kind of effect of my title, you know, that conversation I won, Young Jazz Star of the Year. The prize, if you can say it like that, was that you got to have your song played by this big band. And I also did back there in 2015. I knew many of the people in the big band and I became friends with the producer in the big band. He just proposed that we should do a collaboration together. My only only my second time writing uh, big band arrangements. I wrote all the arrangements for the album. Yeah, so I was gonna I was gonna ask about that exactly. You wrote all the arrangements. So you wrote all the arrangements for all the different instruments in the big band, did you? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I take it you'd never done that before. You know, writing for all the. I mean, how many instruments did you write for? Yeah, they have. They have. A, a, it's kind of a large big band. They have five in the saxophone section, five in the trombone section, and five in the trumpet se- section. And then you have guitar, uh, keyboard, and drums and bass. So that's quite a big band. It was very a big project for me to do, and I spent a lot of time writing those arrangements. But but it was also a fascinating world to to kind of experience. And afterwards, I've been writing also quite a lot of big band music. So it's definitely something that will follow me. I think in my career. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and I think you were just twenty-five year when you wrote this, uh, when these compositions. So yeah, fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, <Thanks. laughs> and the the album was nominated for the uh, the best jazz album awards in Denmark. Yeah, yeah, great. I noticed on Spotify now you've got a couple of singles released at the moment. Are they singles which are coming out on a new album? Yeah, they, those are singles from the, the third album of Quadrillion, our band. It's coming out in, in June, the whole thing. So so right now we have this, this tune called Bad Luck as a single. 
also have a, a ballad called Soft Mind. That's very nice to finally be able to release these songs. We've been working on them for a year. We are slow in the band when it comes to releasing music because we, we work so much in the detail. Yeah, you like to perfect them. Great, yeah. So it's interesting now. Quite a lot of people are taking this approach, aren't they, that they're releasing singles on Spotify. And then, and then like you say, it'll, it'll sort of go on to be an album. So do you think that helps in the new streaming world, you know, to get a bit more recognition for the songs to release them as singles? Yeah, that's definitely very important that you do this uh, because... When you want to uh, get your music out on Spotify, you have to get onto the playlists, uh, you know, those playlists that Spotify make themselves. And the only way to get considered is to release either an album or a single. But when you release an, an album, I think you can only push three of your songs to the playlist. So when you release them as singles, you get extra shots at pushing your music into the playlists. And of course, this can it can be the make or the break of your music. Since if you get on, for instance, Coffee Time Jazz, your song will quickly get maybe two or three million streams. Whereas uh, if you don't get in, into any playlists and you are not a very you know big name with uh, millions of followers, your songs probably won't get as much attention. Yeah. So as well as your own albums, so you've got um, three albums out of your own now and another one coming out in June. You've, you've also done lots of recording with, with different people as a you know, sort of session sideman playing chromatic harmonica, which is, uh, which is great. So what about the difference with that being, you know, working just as a sideman on other people's recordings? Yeah, well, I love both. Of course, uh, it's, it's just such a privilege to make a living uh, out of uh, playing this uh, instrument every day. And, um, and when I play on other people's tracks, it's a wonderful uh, challenge to find out what the track needs and to uh, express the emotions that are needed on this track. You know, sometimes you need an a impressive uh, solo. Sometimes you need something more deep and emotional. And I also love uh, experimenting with the different sounds you can get out of the harmonica. You know, my own projects are, of course, what I'm most passionate about. Writing music myself yeah. and uh, getting the result that I want. Realizing the artistic ideals of my own. That's, I guess, always something you you are passionate about yeah sure but one thing chromatic harmonica seems to be quite appealing to the female singer and so you've done some songs where you, you played chromatic harmonica on some female singing vocalists and you've done um can't buy me love jazzed up version of a, the Beatles song uh, with uh, Kristen Korb. Yeah. Done uh, one with a Hungarian singer, Nicoletta Soki, is it? Um, a song yeah. called Smile. So... So yeah, there is something about the chromatic, isn't it, which kind of goes nicely with the with with the female vocals, isn't there? 
Yeah, definitely. There's an affinity in in some way. I guess though they are both bright. Female vocalist has also got some of that crisp that the the chromatic harmonica has. Yeah, it's it's a nice match. I think so. Yeah, no, definitely. But it's not all you've done. I mean, you, you, there's some, some really good recordings I, I found. So the I really like the one, the, the Martin Fabricius, a really excellent album uh, called Out of the White. Where you, you got some great playing on that one. funny thing is that he's actually he was my first teacher of music theory martin oh. fabricius so so we have uh, we go way back and I, I i played on i think two of his albums actually uh, with his vibraphone drums bass harmonica quartet yeah so that's a nice one and then you do uh you're playing on an album by Aaron Didi, who's a Danish singer-songwriter. This is a song called Keep On Loving You, which is um, it's just quite, quite a pop album, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. He's a very famous singer here in Denmark, Ian Didi. did some, some great songs in the 90s and also in the 2000s. kind of a soul a pop funk uh, thing that we did there yeah not some great stuff and again nice to hear the the chromatic in that setting as well lots of great collaborations on and a list of which is on your on your website i'll put a link to that people can find i think it's on the homepage, isn't it which show the collaborations yeah so so great and uh, recently you've been playing with a guitar player called uh pelle von Bulu, is it um in a duet yeah it's it's actually pronounced pelle von Bülow. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> You're doing a song called Minority Major, which we really like. But actually, all those tracks which you've got on YouTube are really great. So, is this a is this a duo you're playing in recently, or? Yeah, we we've kind of found each other um, in the last couple of years, me and Pele, and it's definitely the best functioning jazz duo I've ever played in. We are a very good match. Both uh, we think in the same way, rhythmically and uh, harmonically, and so it's it's very very nice to play with him and to explore the possibilities of the, the duo format, where you you can kind of just be very free and do whatever you want and, and you know that your your duo partner has got your back no matter what's happening so, so that's great yeah and I think a lot of blues players you know you hear a lot of blues duos yeah and, and people the, the diatonic players like the freedom of a duo because they've got lots of space to play harmonica mm. with a chromatic which most of your music is instrumental right you don't have vocalists on, on your own music so much and there's a little bit of vocals mm. you know you've got an extra challenge there haven't you to fill all that space with the chromatic in in, in jazz ways and have a very long extended solo so how, how do you approach that on the chromatic when you're playing in the duo yeah yeah that's uh, that is a, a point of consideration because you don't want people to get tired of the sound of the harmonica yeah and i'm lucky that pele is actually a great also solo guitar player and and sometimes i also comp him i play some piano and then he plays melody and, and plays a solo 
it's a matter of uh, song choice, I think, to choose different songs with different vibes. So, uh, you know, you can choose fast, straight ahead jazz song, and then maybe you can play a, a ballad. Maybe you can play a Latin song. Maybe then we'll play something where I start out solo on the harmonica. Uh, maybe then we'll play a funk tune with some effect pedals on the harmonica. So I, I try to mix it up as much as possible so that people uh, hopefully keep on um, listening with curiosity. Sure. And so, are you still performing with him? Is that something you can continue with? Definitely, we 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 are performing a lot. It's nice and easy. We just drive in in one car, and then we mm-hmm. we can uh, reach every jazz club in Denmark uh, without uh, any trouble. And you don't sing at all yourself, do you know? No, uh, sadly, my voice is mm-hmm. not uh, very well equipped to sing. I have tried, but it's very, very difficult for me. <laughs> and uh, I, I just uh, decided to spare myself the hustle of trying. So, so you mentioned that you've got some, uh, you got some TV work over in Denmark. So, do you get any sort of soundtrack work or anything like that? Yeah, I, I, I sometimes get uh, some recording uh, of, of movies and, and soundtracks. I also, uh, I'm, I'm lucky to get invited to play some live gigs uh, often. I've been playing uh, the Christmas shows and there's a harmonica needed. They're calling me. And uh, yeah. and actually in Denmark, we have a composer called Ben Fabricius Pierre who wrote a very famous song for the harmonica. So that's that's also lucky for me that I've gotten to play this uh, song a couple of times on TV. You're the go-to uh, chromatic player definitely in, uh, in Denmark then. <laughs> yeah. And do you do any teaching at all? Yeah, I do some teaching. It's not a lot. I have a few students. try to fit them in when when I have the, the time, but I am very busy playing and composing and arranging, so it's not so much. Oh, it's good to hear that you're busy. Yeah, great. Good for you, yeah. What about festivals? Are you a regular on, you know, do you regularly appear on festivals around Denmark or Europe? And I know you've certainly been to the UK at the, uh, the, the Harmonica Festival in the UK in 2017. Beautiful version of Killer Joe with a double bass, I, I recall, but... But you know, to get to many other festivals. Of course, uh, Copenhagen Jazz Festival and and Aarhus Jazz Festival. Those are the two main ones in Denmark. I'm gonna play there. We've been touring sometimes with my band Quadrillion. That is kind of one of my goals to uh, get even more out internationally. I would love to come back to UK and I, I would love to play some more in Germany. Also, I've been to Sweden last uh, week with a big band, which was uh, wonderful up in in the north of Sweden. But um, I just love coming out and, and meeting uh, new people and, and playing for different audience all over. And so a question I ask each time, it says, if you had 10 minutes to practice, what would you spend those 10 minutes doing? Yeah, it kind of depends on your level, I guess. If I had 10 minutes, I would take out a jazz standard. 
I would apply some different uh, improvisational concepts to, to the to the jazz standard. Also, uh, you know, when you're starting out, it's just very important to play your major scales, to play, you know, all 12 major scales and to play um, also your chords, you know, playing the, the major triads and the minor triads. And just, you know, you just have to kind of massage that structure of the harmonica and of the notes into your system, into your brain. And the only way you do that is just by consistently playing those different scales. That is really the key also to playing jazz. Every time you practice your major scales, it's it's a huge plus. You can never go wrong with that. Do you have a particular practice regime yourself? You know, it sounds like you're pretty dedicated to practicing and playing, you know, on different techniques and scales. And do you follow a practice regime? Actually, I have a structure, but I don't follow it that much. My interests uh, are shifting. Yeah, I have maybe 50 recordings of, on my phone of different concepts and different licks and you know lines that I would like to practice and I would like to transpose into different keys. When I practice uh, and it's most fruitful, I think I take a, a song and then I apply different concepts to this song and I feel my mind is expanding. The possibilities of improvising on this song is expanding. And this is, is a wonderful thing. And the reason why I've got 50 recordings is that I never really get into onto the bottom of any recording because every time I start working on it, I get new ideas to new concepts that I then have to record. So, so we'll get on to the last section now and talk about gear. First of all, your chromatic of choice. I think I was seeing you playing a, a G48. Yeah, definitely my, my favorite. The wooden body that you like, is it? I, I, yeah, I, I enjoy the, the wooden body very much. Also because my, my tone and my playing style is quite forceful sometimes. So I like that the note gets a little more warm a little more full-bodied with the wooden comb. You, when you have the, the metal comb, it's a more piercing uh, sound, which also you know can be very nice and crisp. But I, I like this compromise between the crisp and the, the warmth. Yeah, well, when I had Gregoire on the, on the podcast, he did talk about how he formulated the G48. So if you haven't heard it before, it's quite interesting to hear him talk about that. He worked a lot on it. You know, he's really uh, particular about getting it right. He was really pleased with it. So that was good. Yeah, he did a good job. So, what what about diatonics? You, you do still play some diatonic, do you? So, do you do you uh, have particular favorite diatonics? Yeah, I, I like the melody those uh, with the red comb. Yeah. Also, I actually just enjoy the the Hona Pro blues harp. Great. So, I mean, so, so do you play much diatonic? Do you perform with diatonic now? Is it more just something that you you know you like to play with and uh, on your own? I don't really use it when I perform very much. I'd use it to do some recording when people want this, the sound of a diatonic harmonica. And also, I, I just, uh, yeah, played my, on my own. And I, it's nice to bring with you when you are going somewhere. You can just have it in your pocket and you can play a little song, a little blues, and people get happy. So it's mostly uh, for the fun of it. Yeah. So in the chromatics, you, are you just playing 12 holes? Yeah. Okay. And are you playing all your chromatics in the key of C? Yes, for the moment. I recently have thought about purchasing a a harmonica in a lower key. I heard Antonio doing it, and it sounds quite cool. But also, I just bought the bass harmonica, the chromatic bass harmonica, that low register sound that I like. It's, It's a Suzuki model. So are you planning on what maybe using that on recordings? 
Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna use that in in some way. Thing is, you know, the, it's not a regular bass harmonica because it's it's a chromatic bass harmonica. So it's the same size as a normal chromatic harmonica, and it's it's quite responsive. Of course, the the low notes, the very low notes, are just uh, harder to play because they are bigger. So you can't mm-hmm. play very fast down there. But in the top of the the bass chromatic harmonica, you can actually play some nice fast lines also. It's called the Suzuki Series S48B. What about uh, what embouchure do you use when you're playing? I use uh, I use pocket technique. I just uh, form my mouth as if I were to whistle. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, I when I play octaves and I play double notes, I use the tongue to block different holes. You can both play, for instance, uh, hole one and two, and hole one and three, and you can play hole one and four. And you play hold one and five to get the octave. So do you do that a lot where you're splitting different octaves as you've just described there rather than doing you know the full octave? Yeah, I do I do that a, a lot, yeah. And I try to uh, to use um, them both as harmonies sometimes when uh, you know when other people are playing, but that that's not not so much. But also just as as an effect when I'm playing, I can I like to play double notes, and and when you you're able to block out some of the middle notes, you can get more possibilities over the harmonies. So what about equipment wise? You you know microphones and amplifiers or PA's. Yeah, I uh, I use actually uh, just the uh, Shure 58 original. It's very important that it's not a beta model, yeah, uh, because they have a very uh, sharp middle tone, upper middle tone, and you don't want that on the chromatic harmonica. I think it's two kilo kilohertz. That's the painful spot of the harmonica. That's all, always that place that I, I EQ down, and the Shure 58 it has got a nice response and a nice. It doesn't over amplify those uh, nasty hertz on the harmonica. one with a volume control or just or not no i i but i i have my pedals so that i can control the volume down there yeah so are you playing just through pa each time or do you carry around an amp i have a, an amp in my car but it's mostly as there isn't the pa if there's a pa with monitors that's uh, that's perfect and that's also a reason why i got the pedal board is that probably many harmonica players will will recognize the situation where you have a, a pa system and then you're playing your harmonica and the sound from the monitor is totally dry without any reverb and i can't stand playing without reverb it's like i don't get inspired it's just a complete mess for me mm-hmm. i've tried too many times to play without reverb because the sound engineer didn't have the time to root out the reverb to the monitor so now when i play my pedals he just gets the signal from me and that means that the sound that i hear is the same sound that the people hear out in the audience sure yeah uh, you, we touched on the pedals earlier on so another question on that I mean, like you say you're using guitar pedals yeah which is generally what's available are, are you finding ones that particularly you know working for the chromatic against ones which are working for the diatonic do you think i mean i guess you probably haven't tried them too much in the diatonic 
Yeah, I, I've definitely tried them mostly on the chromatic. But I remember when I was playing the diatonic, distortion pedals were actually functioning quite well. They don't function well on the chromatic, I think. It doesn't uh, help the sound in any way to get distortion. So, But I think the auto wah is very nice, and I think that that also works very well on the diatonic, both on the chromatic and the diatonic. Uh, and what about your reverb and delay pedals? Are you going for the kind of boss ones, or have you found particular ones that you like? I've got a, a delay pedal called Clockwork, which is a pedal with some possibilities, but it's not too advanced. And then I've got the Hall of Fame reverb pedal, which I like very much. It also has a mesh function. So when you press down the bottom, uh, it will uh, expand the reverb and, you know, make almost a wall of sound out of uh, your harmonic amp. So you, if you play, for instance, four different notes, they will all hang in the air and create a, a harmony. I use that a lot when I'm finishing tunes, mashing that button down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's great. You know, it's great to someone like yourself really innovate in the use of pedals. Guitarists have been using them for years, right? So we've got to compete with them. So yeah, it's definitely good to make use of them. So what about when you're recording? Do you use any particular setup, any particular microphones? Sounds like you're, you're obviously you're very involved with the recording process. You're not just leaving it to the to the studio to set it up for you. Or well, well, I, I actually also use the Shure 58 when I record. I don't uh, I don't like the sound of a condensator microphone. And I have also tried some different microphones uh, with band instead of just the dynamic, and don't really like them either. Actually, I'm I have yet to find a harmonica microphone that's better suited for the chromatic harmonica than the Shure 58 which mm. Toots Tielemans was also using all his life so I guess that's kind of a, a match made in heaven So when you're playing and when you're recording are you always holding the uh, the SM58 in your hand? Yeah that's an important part of it to get that uh, exactly that proximity sound you know the, the the harmonica can be the sound of it can can get a little thin in the air if you stand a long way from the microphone and i want the fattest possible sound of the harmonica but when you're recording them I mean, uh, do you not find that sometimes you know the noise hand noise and breath noise gets picked up for recordings or does it uh, does that not a problem for you that almost never happens for me because I guess the microphone is covered by my hand, so the breath from my nose is not getting into the microphone, and mm-hmm. and it's very very rare that I kind of clash them together, the the microphone and the harmonica, since I have a grip where they are separated by my fingers. Okay, and then final question then. So um, we've touched on it already, but you know your sort of future plans now. You, you've got the new album coming out in June. It's like that you you're looking to get out playing. I'll take it in. Uh, things are opened up pretty well now in Denmark, are they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we are we are lucky here in Denmark. Things are completely open now. I, I'm uh, also releasing, I hope this year, uh, and my first jazz uh, quintet album. I have a very nice jazz quintet uh, coming up with Pelle von Bülow. He's my guitar player, and then a, a piano player, and a bass player, and a drummer. So I, I'm re- I'm composing tunes for that, and also arranging some standards. And uh, I hope to release that album at the end of the year, and hopefully get get out touring with the band. Yeah, superb. Yeah, so hopefully we'll look forward to you getting and playing across Europe and uh, hopefully in the UK but uh, I'll have to make it across Copenhagen at some point so uh, that'd be brilliant to see uh, and hear you playing so thanks so much for joining me today Matthias Heiser Thank you Neil it was a pleasure That's episode 57 thanks so much again for listening and thank you to Rasmus Bro Jorgensen for his donation remember to check out the website on monikahappyhour.com And also remember to check out the Spotify playlist, which contains most of the tracks mentioned during the interviews. Uh, So you can find that by searching for Happy Hour Harmonica podcast on Spotify. 
So it's just over to Matthias to play us out with his new single coming out on his new album later this year, Soft Mind. <laughs> 